So Mark Twain said, with enough stupidity and confidence, anybody can succeed. And I really think that's the way I pastor. I really don't know what I'm doing, but I'm confident when I've heard from the Lord, so I'm, I'm dumb enough to go forward with it. And that's what's about to happen. Since the beginning of the year, uh, I have received three warnings from the Lord that our church is dealing with witchcraft from three different people in the church who had dreams or visions. Around Christmas, there was one of our regulars at Monday Night Prayer who, during prayer, saw in the spirit a black cloud gathering around our building uh, above it. And, and I don't know if it was to hide us or to oppose us, but she said there was witchcraft being done against our church to stop us from shining light and that the word of the Lord to her during the prayer meeting was that we needed to be more concentrated and more serious in our prayers and that as we were light would come from the building that would dispel the darkness and that's biblical the darkness cannot comprehend the light very shortly after that there was another woman in the church who who had a dream that our that wasn't in this building, but the people, our church, the people were sitting in darkness. And I asked her and her daughter to go find some light. And they went and found a room full of candles, but every candle had a pentagram or some sort of witchcraft, satanic symbol on it. We don't exactly know what that means. Sarah and I independently got the same scripture from the Lord as we prayed about that. But, but then also in January, there was another person in the church that had a dream that during church service, as the sermon is going on, as the word is being preached, that the women in the room began to scream and shriek, and then their faces turned to demons. And he said that it was just a general uproar in the whole building, and the piano started playing itself, and there was just demonic pandemonium. And most of the women left the building in a rage. And the ones that didn't stayed, and we all prayed together. And eventually, the women that had left in a rage repented and came back. And everybody prayed for everybody, and everybody was free. And today's that sermon, because <laughs> I'm just that stupid and that confident that I heard from the Lord. Because when I was told that dream, I'm like, well, I'm glad I'm not preaching that sermon. And it was that very week. In the middle of the night, in prayer, I was further in than, than average night. And the Lord dropped this word on me. And I was scared spitless. Like, no way, God, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. You know what? I'll tell Becky to preach on that. Um, or, or I will write it out and not put my name on it and she can pass it out at the women's meeting or something. I've avoided it now for five Sundays. It's like, nope, it, it, I'm not touching it. Because of the dream, I was a little spooked. And so I've just, it wasn't like the Lord had even told me exactly to do it yet. But this week, Tuesday morning, I was up from 1.30 to 5 a.m. And God doubled down on me. He's like, you will do this, and here's more. And I'm like, oh, great. Not because I'm, I'm scared that you all are godless women and don't want to hear the word of the Lord. I just, I just don't want to do this wrong. <laughs> Here we go. 
If you start to feel angry or your feelings are hurt or you get afraid, since I'm not talking to anybody individually, you can know that that's an unholy spirit speaking to you and you need to disagree with it. You need to just say, I agree with the word of the Lord. I receive the scripture and be delivered. So I'm not, I'm not apologizing because it is the word of the Lord, but go easy on me. All right, Proverbs 11.22 is on the screen. A beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring and a pig's snout. God has a delicate way of saying things. <laughs> a beautiful woman without discretion is like a gold ring and a pig's snout. Her beauty of her face is uh, the gold ring, but behind it is a pig. The reason that farmers put rings in pigs' noses is because they root. They will tear up everything. They're extremely destructive animals, and uh, they will tear up fences and barn walls and and root the dirt out and kill all the plants. But if they have that ring in their nose, it doesn't hurt as long as it's not being touched. But when they, when they start to root it, it wiggles in their nose and it hurts them. So, Discretion. My Bible dictionary says that discretion means in the Hebrew means understanding, judgment, wisdom, advice, reason. So a pretty girl who's not reasonable is just a pig who looks good. A pretty woman who is not wise who will not receive advice, who does not have wisdom, is just a pig with a gold ring. Guys, you're not looking for a girl with a pretty face or whose curves turn you on. You're looking for a woman who's got wisdom, mature godliness. Discretion in Proverbs, if you take all the verses together, boils down to this. Discretion means holding your temper and holding your tongue. And there are lots of verses to all of us, men and women, about holding our tongue and our temper. Um, it's not just the women, but today I am supposed to talk to the women. Proverbs 17:27 says, "A wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. A wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered." Proverbs 10:19 says, "When words are many, sin is not absent." And I suppose we have all felt that, like, oh, I just said too much. I went too far, and I can't get that back in my mouth. It's not just a woman thing. All of us men have felt that too. If you haven't, you're even more clueless than the rest of us. <laughs> and it may mean you do it more often, guys. Ecclesiastes 5.3 says a fool uses many words. So certainly there are talkative men, men who dominate the conversation, men who gossip, men who are braggadocious, but truly it is the instruction of the Lord today that I'm supposed to talk to the women. A study, I believe at Harvard University years ago, shows that women use 20,000 words a day and men use 7,000. That's a little bit of a stereotype or an average because there are super quiet women and there are super talkative men. I see some of you looking at your husbands now. <laughs> there are super talkative men. There are super quiet women. I understand that. But as on average, God made us different, and, and it's not a false stereotype that, that women talk more. I guess it's mathematically provable. There's normal female communication, and I'm, not, I'm sure that's not what God means. When he says that a fool uses many words, I'm, I don't think that he means you have to be as quiet as your, your husband. But there is a line 
where you cross from discretion into foolishness. And it might be gossip, it might be anger, it might be pouting. There's things that, that she says that she shouldn't be saying. Besides God's general instruction for all of us to speak less, and I'm thinking of verses like be quick to listen and slow to speak. Right? That's not just to women, that's to us guys too. And the tongue is set on fire by hell from the book of James. Right? That's to all of us. The Holy Spirit's wisdom is willing to yield, willing to back down and be quiet. Um, those are general scriptures about us saying less, arguing less. Uh, that's to everybody. But besides those, there are ten times in the Bible that the father says to his daughters, shh, hush. Ten times God tells women, quiet down, say less. First Timothy 2.11 let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. Proverbs 27, 15. A quarrelsome wife is like a continual dripping on a rainy day. Proverbs 21, 9, and then repeated exactly again in Proverbs 25, 24. Better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. 1 Peter 3, 1 to 6. It says, wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not obey the word, they may be won over without words. There it is. Won over without words. By the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is what God greatly values. There's that word quiet again. For this is how the holy women of the past made themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. I know that all of you ladies want to obey God. I truly believe that. I'm not here with any specific purpose in mind, an agenda. I told you I didn't even want to do this. <laughs> I know that you want to obey the Lord. I know that you want to do what he says. And those of you who are married, I know that you, not everybody here is married, but this would apply to you with your dad also. I know that those of you who are married want to do it right. I know you want to be beautiful. You want poise and discretion and grace and dignity. And, and God tells you here where to find it. It's in the true beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Because a gossiping woman is not pretty. A complaining woman is not pretty. A nagging woman is not pretty. A sarcastic, angry woman is not pretty. A loudmouth, bossy, opinionated woman is not pretty. And an argumentative woman is not pretty. Those are true of men, too, of course. But the Bible in this passage says to wives, win him without words. Your nagging and criticizing and complaining aren't working anyway. You may just scare the hell out of him, so you get your way, but it isn't changing anything. God says, win him without words, if he's not obeying God. And so, in the context of that, he's genuinely wrong. He says, if he's not obedient to the word, he's wrong. God says, your strategy 
It's the opposite of what your flesh wants to do. Your strategy is to be quieter about it. So guys, I guess you'll find out how much of a jackass you are this afternoon by how much your wife talks to you after this sermon. If she doesn't speak to you till Tuesday, you can know you're a real doozy of a guy. When God says win him without words, he is not talking about the silent treatment. This is not a pouting quiet. It's not a fuming about to explode quiet. It's not a despairing quiet. It's not a martyrdom quiet. Well, somebody's got to be mature, so I'll just keep my mouth shut. It's not a sarcastic silence. I'm just going to bite my tongue and watch you crash and burn, bub. It is a genuine peace. It is real love. It is a serving, quiet, and agreeable quiet. Specifically, when he's wrong. Peter says, God says, this is how the godly women, our mothers in the faith, made themselves beautiful. They submitted to their husbands. And submission equals gentle and quiet spirit. Titus 2, Paul says something very similar. Older women are to train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and obedient to their own husbands. Paul says older women have to train the younger women this, which tells us that this isn't natural to anybody. There are more easily submissive people and more fleshly rebellious people, but, but God says you have to be trained in this because it isn't natural. God has to say this multiple times to women because it isn't the way they think. It's like the same reason he tells the guys you have to be gentle and kind and loving and dwell with her with understanding because that isn't the way we think. We think about force and rank and obedience and, and he has to tell us over and over again, be soft, be kind. You're not going to make her do anything. But God says the older women have to train the younger women in this to be obedient to their husbands. The word obedient in this passage and the word submission two times in 1 Peter, it's the same word in the Greek. I don't know why it translates one way one time and one another, but it's hupotasso. And it means to put under, to be subject to, to submit oneself to, to yield control, to obey. It is a military term and it means to arrange yourself in rank. Like private, corporal, sergeant, Lieutenant, on up. It's a military word. It means an instant yes, sir. That's what it means. It means to get under rank and say yes, sir. In Greek literature of the ancient world, when it isn't in military use, it means a voluntary attitude of giving in, a cheerful cooperating. So Lisa Bevere, those of you who know her, she's been preaching for 25 years. She said, if you agree with your husband, you're not submitting because that hasn't been required yet. You're agreeing. Only when you disagree with your husband do you begin to have the opportunity or the duty to submit. You notice I'm drinking more water than normal. <laughs> I love you all very much. If you agree with your husband, you're not submitting, you're agreeing. If you don't agree, that's when submission begins. Two summers ago, 
Freedom, my daughter, is 19. She's in Kansas City, spending five to seven hours a day in prayer in the presence of the Lord and worship. And God did a phenomenal, indescribable work in her heart. Not that she was bad to start with, but spending that much time in an atmosphere of worship and prayer, months on end, six hours, seven hours a day, seven days a week, um, she got to know the Lord really, really well. And one night she called me and she was crying so hard she could hardly speak, gasping for breath. I thought something horrible was happening and my heart started beating really fast like, honey, what is wrong? And she said, dad, we need to talk. I'm like, what is going on? And she said, she, it took her a long time to even be able to breathe enough to speak. She was crying so hard. She says, dad, please forgive me for how rebellious I was in high school. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, honey, you were the dream teenager. <laughs> like, compared to most teenagers, even Christian teenagers, you were so easy. I mean, yeah, there was the occasional sassy word and attitude, but it was super minimal, and she's still just sobbing, gasping for breath. She says, yeah, but I didn't want to. That's where we got to get, folks. That when God tells us to submit to our authorities, to obey, it's not just a doing of what our dad or our husband or, or the president or the pastor or whatever. It's not just a doing of what that person says. And it's really not even stop at I adjust my attitude. It's that God wants us to desire, to passionately desire to obey and to serve each other in real love because it's never about domination and intimidation. It's about love. So this isn't anything exclusive to wives. This is the heart of Jesus for his father and for us and it's, these instructions are just God's specific way he's in that relationship. God says, this is how wives, this is how you do the heart of Jesus toward your husband. It's not anything exclusive or special or exceptional. We all want selfless surrender. So God says that the holy women do this. Of course, the world's women don't think like this. Satan's daughters hate this message. Jezebel hates the patriarchy. God's daughters know that he's not an equal rights God, but he is an equal justice God. God didn't give us equal rights. He didn't give us equal roles. He didn't give us equal responsibilities. We're, we are different. We are not the same. Male and female are not interchangeable, but we have exactly the same value and exactly the same accountability before the Lord. He made us male and female, and that's not interchangeable. It's not equal in function. It's not equal in form. There are different commands to men and women, different commands to mothers and fathers, different commands to husbands and wives. It's all Jesus, and it's all going to result in killing our flesh and making us selfless with the other person. So the goal is always the same. It's all Jesus. But the specifics of how it works out is not the same. And a boy playing sports team 
with girls is grossly unfair because we're not interchangeable and we're not equal. Both male and female express the image of the Creator. And we are equal in value and we are equal in accountability. God killed Sapphira just as dead as Ananias. She didn't get any favoritism because she was a girl. Hello? There's no batting your eyes at dad to get off of it. She died just as quick and just as dead. And in the other end of the spectrum, God will reward godly women equally as godly men as we each obey whatever commands he's given us in whatever roles we're in. Women are not subject to men, but God makes it very clear that once you enter into a marriage covenant, that's what you're promising, that I will, hupotasso. And you did that when you were dating, but then in marriage it gets hard and ugly and you, he stinks and he's stupid and, and he's mean. And some, some women get really burned. And Proverbs 14.1 says this, A wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. Because of hurt and history and words and memories and pain, and a woman begins to tear down her own house. This verse is not house, it's home, and your home is his heart. Give him more encouragement, more praise, more respect, more service, more love, more thanks. Not because you have to, but because you want to. Because you love him. God made you to be his helpmate. He made you two for each other. So support and enable and encourage and love and help and serve and make him who he is. You did that when you were dating. Then things change. Criticism and arguing and complaining and questioning tear your house down Esther is the picture how she approached her husband that's the supreme picture the other one is the church and Jesus if you don't say or not say anything to your husband you wouldn't say or not say to Jesus you're the church he's Jesus Guys, if you're listening, you'll get a clue. If you're, if you're Jesus in the marriage relationship, that means your life is not your own. You get to die to have her. Nothing I'm saying is about stuffing down things that need to be talked about. We're not talking about burying problems and uh, sweeping things under the rug. Discretion is specifically knowing when to speak and when not to. Which, again, is true for men, too. But you, you got to know when to speak and when not to, and what to speak about. Lean on God. Deal with some of your issues with Him. Not everything needs talked about. But I know, ladies, that your goal is communion. You want Him to want to talk to you. You want Him to want to listen to you. So be smart about that. If you're a 25,000-word woman and he's a 2,000-word man... Be smart. It's just, it's just wisdom. It's just love. It's not domination. It's not every detail of your day, every squabble the kids had, all the work drama. Of course, there's got to be conversations about problems, but just make sure that's not the only thing that is happening. So all of that is 
introduction and context. Now we get to the dream and what the Lord told me on Tuesday morning between 1.30 and 5. As you relate, as you love your husband, as the church is to love Jesus, as you submit in the way that God defines it, as you practice your discretion, you're never, ever, ever fighting for your way. Because the church cannot fight Jesus. Esther did not fight her husband. Discretion is not selfish fighting. I'm going to pressure you to get my way. You let him be the authority. Because 1 Samuel 15, 23 says, Rebellion is witchcraft. Here's the demonic, the witchcraft connection to what I'm saying this morning. Stop pulling or pushing or resisting your husband. It isn't just sin. It's witchcraft. I'd never seen this before Tuesday morning. That it's, it's occultic, demonic witchcraft. And if you're not married, this applies to you and your dad. Stop arguing with him. Stop begging him to get your way or manipulating him in some way. Galatians 5, 19 to 23. Now the deeds of the flesh are obvious. Adultery, fornication, pornography and impurity, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, arguing, jealousy, temper tantrums, selfishness, division, lies, envy. Unfortunately, that sounds like a lot of marriages. When we're in our flesh, things get really ugly really fast. Does it not? Murders, drunkenness, and wild parties. Continuing on the passage, please. I warn you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's how God defines marriage and what we should be living in. There's a list of sins that Paul calls the deeds of the flesh. But there is one in there that makes no sense. Because it is not a fleshly sin. It's a spiritual sin. And that's witchcraft. That's like hexes and spells and drinking blood and seances and astrology and that kind of stuff. The rest of these are, are actions and personality sins. But witchcraft just doesn't seem to fit. So I've... Been, I listen a lot to a preacher named Derek Prince who's gone to be with the Lord, but he's an extremely wise old man and had a powerful spiritual ministry. And he defines it this way, that witchcraft is the attempt to control a situation or a person to get the outcome that I want. So if I'm a voodoo practitioner, if I live in a, in a tribe somewhere with a witch doctor, I go to the witch doctor to get what I want. And that might be healing for my kid, but... It, it might also be, I want to put a spell on somebody or a hex on somebody or a curse on them because I want this result. Derek Prince said he was preaching in a large church in Africa once and he, he said he was preaching on this, on witchcraft, and he, in a church of a, a thousand people or more, he asked, he said, how many of you women have been to the witch doctor to get a potion for a man to drink to make him fall in love with you? And he said, 80% of the women in the church raised their hand. And not all of them that was that before they became a Christian. A bunch of them, it was after they were a Christian. They're still going to the witch doctor to get something they wanted. 
Hello? So if we put a spell on somebody or a curse, that's spiritual witchcraft. But there's, this verse says there's fleshly witchcraft. The deed of the flesh is witchcraft. Fleshly witchcraft is still me trying to get what I want, so I'm going to fight you. I'm going to do it through manipulation, intimidation, and domination. And they're just as demonically powered as curses and hexes and spells and all that stuff. Our flesh nature really, really wants to control people. To get what I want, to guarantee an outcome, to make sure that I'm safe, that I win. Spiritual witchcraft is just blatant hell power. Fleshly witchcraft is no less demonic. In fact, it's more subtle because it's counterfeit. Men, because in marriage we are supposed to be the authority, when we get in our flesh, we lean toward, lean toward domination. Like, you're going to do what I say. I'm going to make you do this. If you don't, I'm going to get mad, and I'm going to force it either physically or verbally. I'm going to make you do what I want, or you're going to have hell to pay. Women, because they're physically smaller usually, and Christian women, because they know they're supposed to submit, they're not going to try to dominate, but a whole bunch of them know how to manipulate really well because it's counterfeit submission. Manipulation is Satan's counterfeit of submission and it's witchcraft. And it looks like pouting, silent treatment, passive-aggressive guilt-tripping. If you don't give me what I want, I'm going to make you pay. Pouting is witchcraft. Silent treatment, we're not going to talk to you for three days because you didn't do what I wanted. You didn't give me what I want. It looks like arguing and complaining and nagging, which just means repeatedly asking for something. You're just going to wear him down till you get what you want rather than giving in. And none, of, none of this is loving discussion. Loving discussion is fine. Nagging is not. It's witchcraft. It looks like insulting, yelling temper. If, if you use your temper to scare your husband into getting what you want, you're a witch. Asking loaded questions, leading questions, insinuating questions. You may just put on the sweetest voice and I only asked a question, honey, but he knows exactly what you meant. That's a satanic counterfeit. Pushing or pulling, trying to persuade or dissuade him to get your way. I mean when, you, when you've already discussed it and now it's beyond discussion, it's turning into argument or fight. Satan's counterfeit of submission is, yeah, I'll back down, but I'm just going to keep poking. I'm going to bring it up every day. Even when you know he's not in favor of it, or he is and he knows you're not, it just keeps coming back up. Because I'm going to keep doing this until you do what I want. That isn't love. It isn't Jesus. It's just raw selfishness. And it's not just sin. It's, it becomes demonically powered. If you use seduction or sex in any way to get what you want, it's witchcraft. I'll give you more if you make me happy, and I'll give you less if you make me mad. That isn't love. Refusing to yield, just not going to agree, not going to 
go along. Or pointing out that you do that all the time. Pointing out what a submissive wife you are. And I was quiet, and I just let you have your way, and now look where we're at. You screwed things up. Because God told me to be quiet. And you ruined it. If you use crying to get to your husband, I'm not saying crying is sin, but if you use it, make sure he knows that you're upset. It's witchcraft. Hurt feelings are your excuse to not listen to what he's saying. There's demons involved. If you scheme about the timing of when you ask for what you want, or, honey, I'll buy you this if you buy me that, or you do something nice and sweet to butter him up, it ruins all the love in it. Because that isn't love. It's, it's, it's manipulation. I'm working you to get what I want. If you're intentionally sweet, or if you're just hiding what you're doing. You're spending money on a credit card he doesn't know exists. Or you're going places he doesn't know you're there. And you know that he wouldn't approve. Doubting his leadership or his authority or his wisdom is soul crushing. And God says, most of this happens because of fear. Back in 1 Peter, God says you'll be Sarah's daughters if you do what's right without fear. Fear really is the root of most of this. Some of it might be pride or rebellion, but most of it's, it's fear. And fear then becomes the demonic entry into your soul and your body and your marriage. The word of the Lord today is that somebody needs to repent of fear and or selfishness that has become manipulation. Some of you know, yeah, I criticize way too much. I'm angry way too much. My feelings are hurt too easily. Others of you have excused it. Well, I just ask questions. Or he's really, he's really, really wrong. He's making the wrong decision. This will cost us. So I have to speak up. Well, you do. But once you realize that there's going to be disagreement no matter what, then you're getting the opportunity to hupotasso. So I don't know who here needs to have a serious life-changing moment with Jesus and who here just needs to get a couple of things right like yeah Lord I did that this week I'm really sorry you need to ask God to show you how you do this because doing it right isn't natural to anyone God says you have to be trained in it by a mature successful older woman I ask you don't go home and ask your husband do I really do that he will lie. <laughs> don't ask him. You ask the Lord. And you don't call up your mom or your sister or your best friend and convince yourselves that you really didn't need this sermon this morning. You don't go reinforce yourselves. I mean, you lock yourself in your bedroom this afternoon or you go for a long walk or it's raining so maybe a long drive or whatever and, and you, you press into the Lord 
until you get worked out whatever you need to apologize for, and you get worked out not just the deed but the attitude, and you press in deep enough that you find that desire that freedom found. The desire to love him well. Not just, I'll keep my mouth shut because I have to, but I want to praise you. I want to support you. I want to build you up. I want to only speak kind and gentle and good words. I don't want to weary you. If you know now that you have big or little, you have some things that you need to repent of and change, I would like you to admit that right now. That you're surrendering to God, not, not to dad or husband or, or anybody else, but I just surrender to God. So I, if, if this message fit you, big or small, guys, you can just bow your heads and close your eyes. Just look at the floor. Ladies, if this fits you, we're not just going to raise one hand, we're going to raise two. Because we're surrendering. Father, I surrender to your word. I surrender. I repent of saying too much, of crossing the line of discretion and wisdom. I repent of witchcraft. I repent of fear. I repent of selfishness. Trying to fight for what I want. I see that Jesus laid down his life. And the church is to lay down her life for Jesus, her groom. I lay down my life now. I receive this word. And things are going to change. Lord, for every woman with her hands raised, whatever her situation is, big or small, I bless her in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you so much for your fatherly love for the wisdom that only you have that runs so counter to the world. Forgive us for listening to the screaming of the world and the fighting and the selfishness of the world, Lord. We want to obey you. We want to follow your word. We want to have selfless, peaceful, Christ-like marriages. And we don't want witchcraft in this church. We reject it. We repudiate it. We embrace obedience and submission and instant yes, sir, to all the authorities in our life, Lord. Men and women, we say yes to submission and obedience in Jesus Christ. Lord, for those women in the room who have been misused, who have been grievously misused, dominated, abused, who are terribly fearful to surrender because it's been done so badly in the past. Lord, I pray you would heal them. I pray that you'd give them confidence and supernatural courage to trust you, trust the man you've given them now, that you will make heaven in their home as she builds it up with her own hands. Jesus' name, I bless my sisters. Amen.